Hey, thanks for listening to Replayable, a podcast where we talk about current media within a game concept. Beware, there will be spoilers ahead. societal standpoint is incredibly important so it's almost like this battle for resources on two different levels one for survival and one for i guess spice could people survive without it that's a good question they can't travel through space without it but it's basically whoever controls the resources has the power that's why mm -hmm. dune is such or arrakis is such an important planet even though mm -hmm. it's not very friendly and i guess in a way too there's this relationship with the native culture like the fremen so between those two storylines or maybe both maybe you need both you have this personal storyline of paul and then you have this narrative of or these themes maybe they're more themes than a narrative but these mm -hmm. themes of resources yeah so. I, I can definitely see I, yeah, I can definitely see that being obviously in regards to living on a desert planet and it's almost like this contrast as well when you're on a desert planet, but then it's you're also mining one of the most important resources, but you're on a desert planet. It's this juxtaposition because it's you have to put yourself in a place of, oh man, abject almost, not poverty, but you are in, in a highly vulnerable state to uh, state claim to something that is very bountiful resource-wise when it comes to the state of kind of, I guess, society at that time as a whole, because without it, it's no space time or no, no space travel. I assume there's a, a plethora of things that fall off in regards to what a society is able to do. For me, I guess, to a point, I feel like there's obviously two themes. I think it's obviously a, a coming of age story with Paul and yeah, absolutely. his, yeah, I'd, I'd almost say, I want to say finding his direction almost. Mm -hmm. And I know that's what coming of age indicates, but I feel in the initial point, he's very much lost in the context of everything that's going on. He's being carried through until there's a shift in impact because it's the person that he loved most or was obviously part of his family. His father passes and he is thrust into becoming the Duke when he felt that he was not ready to become the Duke. So him coming into his own and almost having his direction be radicalized because then it's like he has to, I'm the bloodline of the Duke, I have to lead or become somebody that maybe my father wanted me to be without having his father there to really help guide him into that role. But it's almost that aspect where it's he's coming of age, he is also of the mind of the half of him where he can seize, he sees time in context of the almost a, a waking dream that he's walking through and interacting with. But yeah, there I'd say- There is something very dreamlike about, mm -hmm. the, about the art direction, <laughs> actually, or the cinematography. I don't know, what is the correct term there? But there is something of dream about it. And a part of that too is the spice is awakening his innate 
powers, you would mm -hmm. say, his prescience. And I think they filmed that very well. You could see almost in the way that the sand glittered mm, in his yes. that he was in a... Because when you saw the spice, when you saw him basically start to intake spice is when he would start to have these visions. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And yeah, I guess coming of age as a boy wizard. Yeah, boy wizard in love with a, <laughs> you know, with, a with girl a wizard that he doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. But then it's these unveiling choices, these tests that he goes through. And it's almost like even when they talk to him initially, they're like, do you have dreams? What are they? Do they all make sense or are they all actualized every time you have them? And he was no. And it in that way shows that he still has to make these choices to bring these actualized realities into the forefront. Whereas if he fails at one, then therefore you begin to see a closing off of, or an actualization of him being killed or whatnot, what have you. But it's definitely the themes that are running through it and coming of age, but then there's also so much, it's almost like you're at a buffet and they're all important because they all have weight and magnitude to the story. But it's also a part one. So in this one, maybe it, maybe it is. Other people can disagree. Who would you say the demographic is for, for Dune? Oh, okay. I think this is too... There's things for old fans of Dune. <laughs> maybe the stuff, like I said, that wasn't brought up in the movie. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's just extra flavor for people who have read the book. Because I, I feel those ideas hadn't even been dismissed. They just weren't there. And then also to bring in new fans of the book. It is quite the book. So I would say teen and older. Because mm -hmm. I read it when I was a teen. I think the movie could appeal to awakening the, the the imagination of some younger, young adults. And also all ages, not kids. It's not for kids. Yeah, definitely not for kids. Yeah. Not I would say anybody who really enjoys, I guess, the sci-fi kind of genre, I, I would say it's for them. I would I would say it's I would agree with your assessment of the age demographic. I'd also say for individuals that are just, I guess, more open to the sci-fi fantasy exploration elements. Yeah. And um, also, I guess I'm going to say it is for people who like Game of Thrones mm -hmm. and yes. are okay if it's, if it's a space Game of Thrones. It's my jam. Sci-fi is difficult because mm -hmm. it is, you either like it or you don't. My parents would never see Dune. Never. Mm -hmm. ever that is just not their thing they do not like sci-fi but then i also think about something like game of thrones where people who didn't like fantasy all of a sudden were getting super into fantasy because mm -hmm. it wasn't about the setting it was about the people and i think that dune does have some really good interesting characters jason momoa's character duncan idaho mm -hmm. didn't get as much character development as he did in the book but even in the book it was pretty scarce but there was a there's a scene that happens in the book that didn't happen where he gets drunk and Jessica happens upon him. Yeah, things, some of that got removed, but you could bring new fans in just because it's such a visual treat. What features technology-wise do you think would make this game unique? It's a very good question. So there is a Dune game and they're releasing mm -hmm. another Dune game. They are, it's still the same. It's an RTS which is mm. interesting because we talked about resources. RTS is all about resources. <laughs> so that is, that's already happening. So we would need to do something different than mm -hmm. that. Can't make another RTS also because I hate RTSs. Personally. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. No, I, hate, I hate them so much. Um, no, I used to like Age of Empires and I love Civ, which are not RTS. 
but I, I don't mind that sort of game. But man, your StarCrafts and stuff, no, do not it's like them. It's tough. StarCraft, I remember, I never, I think I've played one or two matches, but it is definitely uh, a different take on nailing down objectives and also combat. I'm mm. more of a hands-on. I like the hands-on kind of oh, yeah. approach of third person. I'm In my mind, I'm actually picturing it like uh, Star Wars, the most recent rendition of Star Wars done by Respawn under the EA banner, where I just feel a third person, third person perspective game that is heavily story-based would be really an interesting approach. I think the technology wise the what they present in in dune when it comes to their shields where they have these like vibrating you have to strike slowly to go through the shield but then anything of high velocity would bounce right off but then as well which i thought was pretty interesting was when they had these missiles that would penetrate these shields when they'd hit the ship would explode but then be encapsulated within that shield where it, it was this, you would expect there to be an outward explosion when it was almost an inward implosion, which I thought was an interesting take on the effects and technology of that time, because that it's very stereotypical and boom, a big ship explodes, Death Star explodes, where it was almost, it's encapsulated within the shield and it prevents both externally and internally. Only through that layer, though. I think when it comes to, they bring up the avenues of time, almost as a time, I would say time incense through spice, which would be interesting where it could be in, in a game format, you could have spice. And then if you knew you were going into a, a boss fight that you've never encountered before, that I'm thinking that the person would take the spice and then you would carry through and then fight this boss and then you die and then essentially it would rewind you or that would be the dream sense of you going forward and attempting to fight this boss so and your prescience is manifested in the rewind ability because exactly. that's one of the things that paul develops actually okay oh so which star wars game is by respawn by the way is that is that jedi fallen order yes correct yeah okay that's awesome because i was i've just played that and i love it and uh -huh. i was absolutely thinking that this should be jedi fallen order <laughs> yeah well okay the fighting system how you were saying with the techniques to get through the shield i think it would mm -hmm. be so cool to bring in that action combat into it and mm -hmm. you have to when you're going in for the kill you have to hit their shield in a certain way so maybe i just like that tactical souls combat yeah 100 but now how do we keep the setting interesting because most of it takes place on a desert planet is not the most attractive setting. I would say the setting is, I'm not even sure if this is a term, but I'll use it, neo-brutalist architecture mm -hmm. when it comes oh, yeah. to the environment that they're within. And there'd be certain beats that you'd be trying to hit story-wise and that you would hold maybe small portions of the game in different areas. And obviously you have to find out what beats you're trying to nail home, but the desert, it creates an interesting character. I remember playing near Automa 
which was a game a few years ago, which is a JRPG action slasher shooter by Platinum. I and, love Near Automata. Yeah, and th that took place. A majority of it was in the desert for some aspects yeah. as well. There is a section uh, that's in the desert, but did you like that desert section? Because I didn't. <laughs> it was. It's definitely a change of pace, but you yeah. could also look at the things in between that desert section before you're going into the desert. Or there's another part where there's a rundown apartment block section that is one part desert, one part like you are going through these varying environments there was no there could be a rundown brutalist kind of architecture on the fringes i mean they there are rock formations but as well it would be interesting to see if you had trips of where you had to go across the let's say to go from the brutalist thing to another part of your planet that you see the desert almost as an epitomized uh, shark pit. You'd have these, the sandworms. Oh my God. Yes. They were, the sandworms, when he outran them and got to the rock formation, after they survived that giant sandstorm, which is another element, there, there's just all these, I think, pieces that could be used quite well in a game aspect. It's not so much the desert, it's, the, the variety in which the desert can bring about challenges. On top of the fact, you have a incredibly massive sandworm that swallows spice machines that are also incredibly massive, but not as big as these complete. It's almost a nemesis that you'll never defeat. You will never, ever kill one of these sandworms. So it's now you're having to find a way that you have to live within harmony with these things and that have their own personality which i find very interesting when he outran them and it was on that rock mm -hmm. face and then it chuckled it laughed at him. i was so blown away wait did the sandworm laugh at i don't know if i yeah went so they're that. running and his mom they just put on their suits and they were running too short and they were walking in that that formation that was very off rhythm and for them to move in a direction. But then even though they're walking in that formation doesn't necessarily make them immune to being heard. So they were found out and then they were running and then it came up, upon, came up out of the ground and looked at Trades, Paul Atreides and his mom. And it, there was this pause and then it chuckled it thought i guess the occasion was humorous i just didn't uh, know. Yeah, okay so I, I i interpreted that differently oh okay okay um, how did you interpret that moment as paul becomes a little bit more spice soaked and is becoming a bit more of arrakis i thought it was a moment of reverence from the sandworm oh yeah okay okay I, you can totally read it any which way i just thought that he he survived the moment which i thought yeah. was interesting no i the your interpretation is really interesting too and it makes me want to go and look at it again because it's a little different it's interesting but there's in regards to the combat aspect of having the shields maybe it's you're fighting enemies it's almost two fronts if you have a way and an opportunity that you can slow strike and disable your enemy or is it do you just push your enemy aside and 
either allow the shield to do the damage or discombobulating them to do the damage. Using the spice to induce the, I want to say, time mechanic moving forward. And I'm trying to think of some other approaches, but sound could be a part of it as well because they have these thumpers. But then I almost feel sound should be part of it because mm -hmm. you have to. But would that be boring? Okay, <laughs> there are other boring world traversal games. Mm -hmm. Would it make it boring if we added an element where you have to walk without rhythm? You have to. Yeah, walk. like that's, that's. Yeah, it's um, almost like it becomes laborious. Yeah, but then mm -hmm. another Fremen thing is they can ride sandworms. Yes. So you could put down a thumper and ride a sandworm, which could be really fun actually oh yeah i actually it, and it almost maybe brings about this element of oh what is that game with the giant titans that you're fighting well, i can't remember what it's called colossus yeah shadows uh, of the colossus thank you yes oh yes. man but the magnitude of the unveiling of the sandworm when you put down the thumper and then when you're riding it from point a to point b let's say yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be so cool because then it's, you're scaling this giant thing and then you, you have to get to a point where you have to start directing it, which would be maybe not so much a technological innovation, but a, just a grandiose experience that would be very impactful unveiling because mm. that is the power of the desert. I get a sense of it. So yeah, that could be the avenue as well. How do you frame it? frame certain things to be very powerful and, and almost awe-inducing because the in, the environment and the world in which you are in does evoke that emotionally, I would say. How would you develop this game to be more inclusive? Or do you feel it needs to be? I would be interested to see if games, I'm going to say Dark Souls probably does not have accessibility features. Mm. Um, I wonder, though, if a game, uh, Return of the Jedi, has accessibility. If we want to do that combat system, mm -hmm. we can make it so that there's audio cues as well, or you could turn on audio cues to know when you need to hit certain buttons to do certain combo. And just, I guess, also making sure that between the desert and between what's happening, if we're going to do desert, is just making sure that you can set a high contrast or something. Just make sure that mm. not everything looks the same. Because I know the problem might be Fremen trying to blend in with the sand. We just need to make sure that there's a way to turn that contrast so that mm -hmm. you can see that a little better. So that could be ways to make it more accessible. Um, also with visually, if it is making things more clear, there's, because you're working within an engine, you can definitely pitch things color-wise to either make more contrast or make less contrast. Because then it's also the, the aspect of epilepsy. So yeah. I believe that just making sure audio is a really good way to just include folks who are have visually impaired. Because I, I don't see why our game, how our game, if we just have sound, for example, where it directs the way that you go. So if you're <laughs> on a map and you need to go towards a certain point, maybe you hear a certain audio cue, which once again, can be turned on or off because for some folks they might find, oh no, I like to see where I'm going. But if you can't see, you hear wind a bit stronger in the direction you're supposed to go or just something like that, just ways to bring in more accessibility features. <laughs> yeah, I do the audio cues as well, especially when you have, let's say 360 audio. Absolutely. You know, if you're fighting stuff and it is a combat sequence, 
you can hear it's almost you hear low toned footsteps or somebody breathing it mm. creates more of a directional reaction where somebody's behind me somebody's in front of me and i can tell based upon the audio cues that i'm giving which might yeah. could just be included in the game uh, as a whole yeah um, and just turning, yeah. having the ability to turn off the music, for example. And so all yeah. you hear are the sounds of the planet and the sounds of the, the environment that you're in. And that could be a way that you could help lead people to where they need to go. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that could be a really interesting way to play it. Because I feel that there is something rich about this world. Mm -hmm. um, and a sound could be a way to really bring that in. Feel the desolation through the wind. You hear the rumble of the sandworm. When you're so isolated, I feel any sound would be magnified in a way. And mm -hmm. so bringing sound as really excellent sound design would be, that would be really neat. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Okay, so a boss fight. Who would you fight? what would the atmosphere be like? And I guess, how would you build the tension of that engagement? I'm just thinking, because we're only talking about Dune part one, because the way this, the part one rounds out is the mm -hmm. last fight is Jameis, and uh, nothing is resolved. Nothing's resolved. Yes, but then you could also so, look at a boss fight, even though it is a losing one, it could be the invasion of their base, their neo-brutalist base with all the warriors coming down. And it's because on on, it's almost like I see Jameis as a one-on-one -on -one instance, which could be, it would feel very much so like a Jedi Fallen Order maybe uh, fight. And even, yeah, it could be that, uh, but it could be that. Or... It's true. And I, yeah, uh, yeah. Who would the final boss be? Well, mm -hmm. I mean, okay, there's the fight. Yeah, so yeah. Jameis for sure, because that's the first time Paul kills. I guess there's the escape from Arakeen, the city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I'm trying to think of other boss battles. Maybe the first encounter with the worm, but that would be less of a boss battle and more of escaping. Escaping. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess from my an, an engagement standpoint, it would be interesting to maybe you could take over certain characters during certain engagements. That'd be cool. Um, and Duncan Idaho, you could play him as Paul and Lady Jessica are escaping and just yeah. post the Duke getting killed as he's traversing through the back corridors and something much like uh, Metal Gear Solid, where he has to sneak around, but then in conflicts, he's definitely uh, dispatching enemies quite readily. Yeah, I I feel it's quintessentially something that is, I don't want to say done and done, but you could have, based on his skill level, he's wall running and he his approach in combat is much more you know, versatile compared to Timothy. Maybe he could be the tell of who Paul Atreides 
fighting-wise could be early on. Whereas the contrast with Paul Atreides right now is he's very basic. But Duncan Idaho is he's wall running, he's flipping, he's... That would um, be pretty cool. Yeah. I was even thinking if while they're escaping, maybe you're not playing as Duncan Idaho, but you see him. You Ooh. might be ducked behind something, but then in the background, you see him fighting. So you actually have, it's, it's maybe a little bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a bit more... Cinematic? State? Cinematic, yeah. thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit more cinematic the scene mm -hmm. per se uh, but you could still get caught you just need to keep on moving past because then you get caught oh actually that could be uh, a boss fight is when you're in the oh maybe it's not a boss fight maybe it's another almost like quick time events or something to use the voice mm -hmm. but when you're in the the, the thopter with those guys who are mm, taking yes. you mm -hmm. to the desert to be killed mm -hmm. so, i find it's in my brain it's weird the the framing of the ideas that I get because of the games that I played, but it makes me think of a little bit of Uncharted. Where it's mm. like you're, in this, you're flying over the desert and then my brain is like, oh yeah, it'd be like you're fighting these dudes, but it's very enclosed. But it's also an avenue where you have these moments of when you're saying something because it's use the voice. Maybe there is a rhythm based element to that where you have to have inputs based on the words that you're saying and have them done correctly, uh, similar to a dance revolution, because it is something that is very impactful and it is something that creates change in the interaction with your enemies. So that could be another part of your kit in that character. When you're engaging with certain enemies, you could be maybe you've exhausted certain resources. You just need a slight reprieve. So then you would use the voice, which then the enemy would kill themselves. Almost you you can fight, you can throw, you have all this combat, maybe it doesn't have high stamina, but then he has high mental focus. Yeah. And, and then it's, he uses the voice and these guys off themselves and you, and it's just part of the maybe combat mechanics or something. Maybe there's different classes. Maybe there's a Duncan Idaho sword master class or like a mm -hmm. Bene Gesserit kind of class where you use things like the voice. You basically, you can decide whether to be combat or more, more wizard. wizard and maybe there's a stealth one too yeah. i don't know what class that would be but yeah that would be really that would be really cool it could be dr leet kinds or from it what dr she plays a big role okay first of all in the book she was a dude so this was a cool oh, okay. change i really liked that change mm -hmm. um because there's no reason for <laughs> dr leet kinds to be a dude but i would say that they're role i don't know how the movie's gonna go but they're basically done now their roles are completed yeah Bump i i if i remember correctly i would say so i was gonna say fremen class and that's more stealthy and so stingler Stilgar, stilgar okay. yeah like a stilgar class could be really cool and that's where you bring up trap making or more like a stealth less direct combat <laughs> yeah i definitely think that would be very we've created classes <laughs> We sure did. Oh my god, I really actually want this game now. Which is the goal. Really, we should want every game that we design when That's we do Totally, this. yeah. I like the ideas that we're collaging together, I would say. that I, th I always find that almost this process very interesting to see. Because you don't know where, where it could go. In regards to the world of gaming now, which DLC crossovers 
do you see that would be interesting? I feel the game would be a very serious tone. Some I would yeah. almost epitomize things being along those realms, but the <sighs> DLCs in regards to there being crossovers, it's just expansions. Yeah, I was going to say rather than crossovers, maybe it's you go to maybe it's a different planet. Maybe <laughs> you play depending on points in the story that you hit you can play as the emperor mm -hmm. or someone on the emperor's planet which i can't remember the name of house carino's on mm -hmm. yeah i don't remember their planet or you play as like a harkonnen and you're on getty prime or mm -hmm. maybe that's the things that you can add so it's more yeah just extra areas or you play mm, characters that you wouldn't normally get to play Maybe this is where you play as Ben Jesuit or Duncan Idaho, or it can feed some backstory. So it's stuff that you would just add on to the lore building. Mm -hmm. Also think of the clothing that very, that's very apparent and very different when it comes you know, to this world building. Would be interesting to see you have Atreides in Stilgar garb when he's doing certain things or it's, you can have crossover clothing where it's a headdress is Stilgar, but then it's his, he's wearing a Duncan Idaho's kind of more traditional military uniform that they wear. I think it is visual, as you say, expanding the universe, having more of an expanse and interaction with yeah, uh, I don't know if, that you go to. I don't know if guesting feels appropriate for this brand in a way yeah, i don't know I if agree. we need any crossovers but i think i'd be super into some dlc that was just extra lore because it is such a lore heavy game so mm -hmm. or ip and so that could be really that could be really fun yeah i do definitely like that or it could be if there are these stories that that are involved in or that they use to build the lore playing those stories. So you have a better understanding of abilities, how they came about. Mm. That would be, that would be quite interesting as well too. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. In closing, I really enjoyed the first uh, rendition of Dune by Denis Villeneuve. There's a lot of promise. I know there's a lot of history and uh, there's a lot of fandom when it comes to the property of Doom. Oh yes. Dune. But I feel that it's in good hands because he is, I would say, a craftsman when it comes to how he goes about exploring and representing and in a way that... I get the sense that he also loves this IP. Uh, I feel there's a lot of respect going into this. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah, I definitely look forward to the... I didn't know that it was actually two parts, but I think that- is, I didn't you know, know it was going to be two parts either until I got to the end. I was like, oh my God, it's not over. There's more. And there's always a part, hope for me when it comes to a creator, especially one as renowned as uh, Denis Villeneuve, that maybe he could potentially add to Dune. This opens up something more where it's, he can continue the story to a degree. And I know that's not customary for properties at times but when you're in the hands of somebody that mm -hmm. as you say pays respect to the ip so much he's definitely one of those individuals that i'd be like all right let's see what you know you can do because that he is such a craftsman that has shown that he can continuously deliver at a very high level of engagement yeah, yeah. i agree yeah very cool very cool replayable was created by darian mccray 
Our co-hosts are Jennifer Owen and Amanda Preparzi. Thank you for listening. For ideas on future episodes, please contact us at ideas at replayablepodcast.com.